With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What is up? Welcome back to the Outkick of Bets podcast. It's Wednesday, October 25th. I woke up in the, at the ass crack of dawn to start breaking down the first full card of the NBA slate. To help me with said breakdowns, I got in the homie, the most handsomest hoops handicapper on the internet, David <laughs> Troy. Now that is quite the compliment, my friend. I appreciate that. Well, you've earned it with your beautiful beard and just overall charisma. Um, wow, look at me. Look at you indeed. I have three best bets today and four player prop or one player prop. So I have four bets here. I don't have everything on all 12 games. So bear with me, listeners and David. We're going to possibly hop around a little bit here. Uh, We'll start with the biggest game on the uh, Wednesday slate, which is the Boston Celtics at the New York Knicks just because it's interesting and kind of, you know, we'll dust dust off the old NBA handicap and cobwebs. The yep. Knicks are getting three and a half points on the market, um, are in the market at home hosting the Boston Celtics. And again, I got nothing on this game. I have Boston power ranked as the number one team entering the uh, NBA regular season. That's not a hot take at all. They are power ranked number one by the betting market as well. I think they're going to win the title. But I'm a Knicks fan. I'll be rooting for the Knicks. I will not be betting this game. Do you have any action in this one? Um, I looked into this game quite a bit, and I am not 100% sold I'm going to get there, but I do have a lean towards the Celtics in the first quarter. Um, and this this is partially, look, I, I understand the concept of last year versus this year, but Last year, the Knicks were one of the worst home teams in the first quarter, and the Celtics were one of the best on the road in the first quarter. Um, I also am looking at the starters, and I want to say last season, Brunson played the entire first quarter for the Knicks. Um, But I I didn't look it up to be certain. So take that as just kind of off memory. But looking at this, I'm looking at kind of the the starting lineups and and how this is probably going to play out. And my expectation is the Celtics come out much hotter than the Knicks will. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Celtics win this game by more than three and a half points. I also think that they're going to come out kind of hot and take this one right away. So um, my lean, at least right now, is Celtics first quarter um, coming out right away getting the lead uh, before maybe the Knicks settle in a little bit. So that's what I got for that one. Yeah, there's a lot to unpack when you talk about the New York Knicks home court advantage. Um, On one hand, 
New York's nightlife obviously can give them a bit of an edge in certain spots, especially if a team is uh, visiting on the weekends. And Madison Square Garden, the New York Knicks crowd, is considered one of the liveliest and rowdiest in the NBA. However, every team, every player gets up for the Madison Square Garden game. Like every one of them. Like they all it's yep. the Mecca of basketball. So they all wanna they all wanna show out in the New York stage. So it almost like devalues the Knicks the home court advantage because they're getting everyone's best shot, which is very rare in today's NBA. For sure. So For sure. yeah, and like Boston's three point barrage definitely helps your first quarter look here because I mean it could take some defensive adjustments in game for the Knicks to really kind of ever figure that out. And furthermore, Al Horford um is coming off the bench, which means you got Derek White in the starting lineup with Chris Stops, Tatum, Brown, and Drew Holiday. So you got five dudes who can chuck threes. It Horford is actually a very good three point shooter, but still, you know that these guys are just gonna be just chucking three pointers this uh to open the game. Yeah. And, it, <clears throat> and I did just look this up, actually. I was wrong. It wasn't Brunson who played the majority of the first quarter. It was Randall. So Randall and Grimes played about 11 minutes of the first quarter. Brunson played about nine and a half. So um, the one the one edge I think the, the Knicks might have is Mitchell Robinson against Porzingis, at least in terms of rebounding and stuff and hustle. So... Robinson only plays about seven minutes, eight minutes a, a first quarter typically. So I don't know. I'm kind of I, I, I'm liking this more and more that I look at it. Um, it'll be interesting though. Yeah, I think New York's edge in the glass and physicality can end up wearing down Boston. They can cover or even upset Boston in this game. But I think your your analysis for the first quarter actually works. Uh, I'm not going to be betting it, um, but I wish you the best of luck. Who? Thank you. What's the what's the number? It's actually just minus one. All right, cool. So more or less money line. Do, is there a money line out there? There is a money line. It's uh, let's see it what it was. One twenty. It was minus one thirty before. It's yeah. still minus one thirty. But okay, that's not. It's not a bad luck to take the the tie if you can. If you prefer that. For sure. Um. All right, uh, that's in the the seven o'clock um, slate or the seven o'clock window. If that's even the right way to put it. I mean, there's not really windows in the NBA. Whatever tips off at seven o'clock. Another seven o'clock tip off that I actually have a best bet in is a southeastern division matchup, which is pretty much the least sexy division in the NBA. <laughs> I don't know no one even really cares about the NBA divisions, but uh, the Hawks are three and a half point favorites at the Charlotte Hornets, and I'm taking the three and a half with the Charlotte Hornets. Um, a lot of the, the 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 four meetings, three of the four meetings for the Hornets and Hawks didn't even matter last year because of LaMelo Ball's injury, Miles Bridges beating his ex-girlfriend and being suspended from the league, and just really all of Charlotte's injuries. Um, it was pretty much made it a lost year for the Hornets last, last season, but... Both teams had similar rosters. 
um, in one of their matchups as uh, uh, similar to, to the starting five in, in this this one, uh, Wednesday's matchup. And the Hornets beat Atlanta 144 to 138 at home February 13th last year. Again, most of the players that are going to suit up Wednesday played in that game. So I do think it is analogous. Um, but anyways, you guys, and David specifically knows how much I dislike Trey Young. Yeah. I mean, besides James Harden, he is my <clears throat> least favorite NBA basketball player. He might be a sweet guy. And actually the way, believe it or not, I gained respect for him for the way he just assassinated the New York Knicks in the playoffs and how he carried himself in the garden. Like I thought that was, I mean, that was clearly the best moment of his career. And like, even though he did it to my team, I was like, Oh shit, look at this dude. All right, cool. Yeah. But his, his a, his shot selection, a or B his diminutive, diminutive, small stature, excuse me. And the fact that he doesn't play off ball or defense all contributes to the fact that I hate this dude's basketball profile. I really do. And it seeps into how Atlanta plays. They had the second worst shot selection in the NBA last year. They're just taking a bunch of mid-range jumpers. And yeah, maybe that's like a long-term betting analysis. And that's what contributed to me leaning to the under for the Hawks. But I think ultimately, like they're just kind of a bad offense. They, they play the wrong way. Also, Atlanta has been one of the worst road teams in the NBA um, for years now. They actually have the second worst win-loss percentage on the road uh, behind behind the Warriors uh, over the last two seasons. And they're 13-19 and 19, uh, against the spread as road favorites since 2021. So I'm going to take the points of the Hornets because I think they have the best player on the floor. I think they're going to be close to Atlanta in the standings this year. And they're at home. Any thoughts? Yeah, no objection to it, especially the uh, Trey Young hatred. I don't like him either. I think I think part of my thing is he has a very punchable face, and uh, <clears throat> he also is kind of known as a three-point shooter, but he averages like two three-pointers made a game, and it, it bothers me. Yeah, so, I think he sh- shoots like under 33% from the three-point line. Yeah, it's it's not a very good – his statistical like numbers are, are not very good for that. He's, you know, he obviously averages like 26 points. He was 10th in the league last year or something, but um, not for me. Uh, it's hilarious in late game scenarios when he's like, I got it. Then he backs yeah. up to 35 feet and chucks one. And it just yeah. bricks. Yeah. He's like the ultimate, like uh, you think he's good because you see highlights of him hitting the one three from like the logo and you didn't see the like seven that he missed, but um, nothing on the game in particular. Didn't spend that much time looking into it. I do have one player prop in this game, and it's uh, it's actually on a Hawks player. It is Clint Capella over nine and a half points. Uh, Capella, the last uh, eight games against the Hornets, has gone over this total six times, and it hasn't even really been close most of those games. Uh, 22, 12, 14, 17, 7, 8, 20, 20. So um, I do actually kind of like Mark Williams, the uh, center for the Hornets, but I think that Capella should be able to get this with relative ease. 
And to go back to your uh, preseason that we've been talking on and off about, he actually put up some pretty decent numbers in um, in the preseason in limited minutes. I think he should be probably getting around 35 minutes in this game. Uh, he averaged 12 points per game last season. He averaged 13, I think, on the road. Uh, 12, I'm sorry, 12 and a half on the road. So I like him to go over. Uh, his point total, and even against the division last year, he averaged 13.5. So I think you're getting pretty good value on this being just 9.5. If it was closer to 10.5 or maybe even 11.5, I probably wouldn't play it. But I do like uh, over 9.5 points for Clint Cabello. I'm a big Clint Cabello fan. He's actually probably my favorite basketball player on this on this Atlanta Hawks team, besides uh, maybe DeJounte Murray. Yeah, I think we're me and you are pretty well aligned on this. I like Bogdan and... Uh, uh, Patty Mills too, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think Clint Capella is like a legit starter, whereas those other two guys are are good in their roles. Actually, I like them yeah. off the bench. But if it's like you had to pick one player from Atlanta, I would I would just take Clint Capella. Um, everyone is For so sure. full of shit about the preseason, in, including me. <laughs> like it, <laughs> it doesn't matter until it matters. To your point, right? Yeah. <laughs> like that's how, until it helps your argument. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Uh, it's like the whole running backs. The running backs aren't important until, like, you get stuck in a handicap. It's like, well, they're 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 missing a couple running backs. Like, well, okay, so now the running backs matter. Oh, all right. Uh, that's how preseason works. I, at least in the NFL, I actually truly ignore pre no i bet on it yeah i'm full of shit about the preseason so is everyone else <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna bring up preseason stuff later in this podcast too um there are a couple more uh good games before the um second one that i have a, a bet in um anything jump out to you and i'm just gonna go rapid fire here calves calves nets Pistons, my Detroit Pistons versus my Miami Heat. It's like my two little brothers fighting. Uh, Timberwolves, Raptors. Anything a pop off to you there? Uh, I can give you a lean for. I I would lean towards the Cavs. I'm not really sure why this number seems so low to me. Sketchiest line of the night, right? It, yeah, like the Cavs. I get there on the road, but the Nets aren't that good, and the Cavs should be. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at it and I was like, this, this is so sketchy and I don't want anything to do with it. I'm just walking away from yeah. this one. Nah, I, I mean, I may end up playing the Cavs cause I think they should be able to win this game by 10 points. I mean, but I do like I, Brooklyn's length. Like I, it, I mean, I like Brooklyn in general, but I, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. Eh, I'm with I'll, you. I'll just I probably will just back off it because I I really don't like betting too many games early in the season even though we have a ton and it's going to be hard for me to lay off some of this stuff but I like to kind of see where the teams are at learn a little bit about them before I start putting multiple bets in uh, so that one I would lean towards the Cavs I'd lean towards the Timberwolves um, looks like uh, Jaden McDaniels is going to be out and really? Mike Connolly is a toss up. Yeah. Didn't they just pay him 150 yeah. million? <laughs> yeah, I think more than that. It's <laughs> amazing. But um, I like the Timberwolves. I, you know, I think they're going to be they're going to have a good season, and I I do think uh, these are games that they have to win. You know, teams like Toronto who really don't have much going for them this season, or shouldn't have much going for them this season. The Timberwolves need to beat up on these people. 
So this is a game that I think they need to come out and win. Um, I was big on the Timberwolves last year, and they came out and crapped the bed against uh, the Jazz in their first game. But the Jazz were also a little more um, competitive than I than I think people, including myself, realized they were going to be. So yeah, absolutely, they're a pretty good three point shooting team in terms of like wide open three point attempt rate, both on both ends of the floor. The Utah Jazz were so I could see them sneaking up on you especially against the shit ass timberwolves and that was a a, a a multi-way revenge game i love revenge games in the nba i, I do too i think they're important yeah but, although i took you know, chris paul in a revenge game last night and you saw that blew up in my face yeah well my my only bet in that one also lost so what did you have i had kevin durant over uh four oh. and a half assists he ended That's up right. with three he had a terrible game. I mean, he just – it looked like he started – he was he was fine, I guess, with passing. But, like, after a certain point, it looked like he was just forcing shots because they weren't going in. And rather than try and move the ball to his teammates, he just kept chucking up shots, like leaning runners. And it was not good. So yeah. that one was a loss, but – I, I don't even have much to add. Truth be told, I eat so much Wingstop and pizza, I, I passed out by halftime. <laughs> That's part of the reason why I woke up at 5 a.m. to handicap the game. It's like, yeah. It's actually, yeah, I was actually I'm, up at like 4.30, kind of yeah. rolling around. Everything is now starting to make more sense about, <laughs> about our conversations before this. But, um, you oh, also yeah. mentioned the Pistons. <laughs> you uh, mentioned the Pistons and Heat. I'd probably take the points with the Pistons in this one. Man, I don't know. The Heat just, to me, I just don't think they're going to be that good this year. But Yeah, if there's any awkward edits in this podcast, because I'm still dealing with the backlash from Wingstop and Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you damn right. I'm, 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 I lean towards the Pistons, and that's going to be one of the, the TVs that I have on my, or one of the um, games that I have on one, on my three TVs in my living room. Love Cade Cunningham, but I like I said, I also love the Heat. The Heat were terrible against the spread last year, despite having a winning record. And again, I think the Pistons are going to be a tough out this year and win some games. So I would definitely take the points. But I don't know this. A part of me thought this was a sketchy line, um, because like what? they're like begging for Pistons money. So maybe you should bet the Heat. But then again, it's also like everyone thinks the Pistons are going to be terrible except for me. <laughs> so like, why would this be a good spread? I mean, the, the, the heat are the defending Eastern conference champions. It's not like versus the worst team in the NBA. Yeah. That feels like it should be double digits at home. Right. It feels like, it feels like it. So I don't think there's anything to uh, read into that, into that big number. Um, the Timberwolves. Yeah. I mean, I have them, I have them as a, possible top four seed in, in the West. So and I agree with you that they need to pick up these wins against the Toronto Raptors. Toronto Raptors though are an interesting team because they're just so long and they play in such a unique way. At least they did last season in terms of like they can't shoot, but they just win the possession battle. Like they don't turn, they, they force mad turnovers and they don't turn the ball over. They crash the glass. They get out in transition. They're just kind of like a weird, awkward team. That's like 
one of the few teams I'm going to kind of wait and see on before before betting on any of their games. Um, moving along, though, I'll talk about my next best bet, which is the Pelicans and Grizzlies. Um, I don't think I have to go too in-depth on this one. I'm going to take the Pelicans money line, which is even money, well, minus 110 for both the Pelicans and Grizzlies. And it's it's pretty simple, straightforward analysis. The Grizzlies are missing two starters, John Morant and Steven Adams, and the Pelicans have their full starting five. They are miss actually no, they they are missing Trey Murphy the third, which is by far the greatest basketball name there ever has been. Trey Murphy the third. He this guy's a three point shooter. <laughs> He's got a three in his last name, and his first name means three. And Jose Alvarado, both very good rotational players. But Zion's playing, Brandon Ingram's playing, and again for the Grizzlies, they're missing their 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 two strengths are getting to the basket and rebounding. John Morant is how they get to the basket, and Stephen Adams is how they 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 clean the glass. So not having those guys takes away two of their strengths. The Pelicans are consistently a top 10 offensive rebounding team, even with Zion off the floor. Um, Larry Nance is is a big part of that. Jonas Valanciunas is a big part of that. So I think they're going to just destroy Memphis on the glass. This does feel like the Grizzlies should be the sharp play here, right? But me and you were on the sharp side of a lot of games last year and when we we got roughed up a little bit. So I'm not going to look too deeply into that one or into that uh angle on this on this in this game. I'm just going to go with the healthier team and I'm fading a Grizzlies team. I'm I'm down on entering this year and just am further down on them since uh Adams has been announced out for the season. Yeah, I'm with you on this game. Uh, this is going to be an official client play. It's going to be the Pelicans to win this game. <clears throat> I I am mostly with you on your analysis. The only thing I would add is they're adding Marcus Smart, who, yeah, maybe he'll make a difference on defense. They got Zaire Williams in the lineup, which is new for their starters. Um, and then you already mentioned Xavier Tillman replacing Steven Adams was out for the season. So you're talking about really three players in their starting lineup that are new to the team or not new to the team, but new to the starting role. Um, I like the Pelicans when Williamson's on the court. I like them better when Ingram is on the court and both of them are going to be there for this game. I think Herbert Jones is probably going to end up guarding Desmond Bain. And Love that. I, I Valanciunas should be able to take Tillman out of the paint, which is a big deal because that'll make Zion Williamson even more effective. So, I, I don't know. I, I think this is a good one. Memphis at home is not something that you usually want to bet against, but yeah. in this particular game, I'm, I'm for Pelicans, so I'm with you. Yeah, Jaron Jackson, defensive player of the year, reigning defensive player of the year, gets into foul trouble. Mm-hmm. And if Zion Williamson's aggressive in this one, Jaron Jackson gets into foul trouble. Memphis's defense is in a lot of trouble. Yeah. And I don't remember at what point in the year. I mean, obviously it was early in the year, but early on, like a lot of people were like, holy shit, Pelicans, they could be a title contender. When they got their guys, I mean, 
they're legit. And and Brandon Ingram at full strength, Zion Williamson at full strength, like that's as good of a two man tandem as there is in the NBA. I mean, you yeah. know, you got you got Jokic and, and Murray, those are probably the leaders in the clubhouse and rightfully so. But outside of that, it's like you know, if I if you can guarantee me help, I'll take I'll take Ingram and Zion almost at, over anyone's two man lineup or uh NBA jam two man lineup. Sure. I agree. All right, so we're aligned on that one. Um, other games that I don't have a play in, or another game that I don't have a play in, but Sacramento Kings at the Utah Jazz. I have a heavy lean to the Sacramento Kings. They're actually probably the best three-point shooting team in the league last year, and I, I mean that in terms of wide-open three-point attempt rate on both ends of the floor. Like They are top five in each, so they get great looks. The three-pointer is the end-all, be-all in today's NBA. I love the Kings' like continuity and the whole run-it-back shit that, that they're going into this season. I do think the, the Jazz take a step back from last year. I think their starting lineup, Utah's starting lineup, is a joke. They got Taylor Horton Tucker in the, NBA, uh, in the starting five, and like he is in that. He's in that James Harden, Trey Young camp for me, where it's just like, and I also like, I live in LA, so when he got a bunch of hype because of like summer camp, I was like, you got to be kidding me, you got to be kidding me, and he, and he's he's joined back there with Jordan Clarkson, who was Trey Young before Trey Young. I uh, I'm really down on this side, or I'm really down on the, the Utah Jazz, so I have a heavy lean to the Kings, but I got nothing official. Yeah, I'm with you. I don't have anything official. Um, if you wanted a player prop, I would throw out John Collins over five and a half rebounds just because he averages more than that and has his entire career. But now he's going to be playing against Kessler and stuff. So it, it's one, this is one that I have written down more to monitor than actually bet um, just to kind of see where the guy starts to kind of get, if he gets some of those boards or if he's, uh, he ends up like kind of running on the floor. Um, but uh, if I remember correctly, the, the Kings in Utah played pretty close games last season, at least in Utah. Um, I can remember one where De'Aaron Fox had to take over late, and uh, it was interesting, but I'm with you. I'm laying off this. Let's talk about your hometown team real quick. Chicago Bulls hosting the Oklahoma City Thunder. I'm not sure if you have anything in this game. It looks like a lot of most of the tickets and – a slight majority of the money are on the Thunder. This, to me, feels like another trap spot. A lot of people are into the Thunder coming into this season. A lot of people are down on the Bulls. How do you how do you see this game? Do you see any value on either side or a prop or anything? Uh, I don't really see value in either side. I mean, just on a pure like win total basis from the beginning of the season, you probably would assume that the uh, Thunder would win this game. But you don't really know what to expect with this Bulls team yet. Um, I think they could be anywhere from the one of the worst teams in the league to, like, maybe the eighth seed in the East. So I'm not going to bet it. Um, I am going to watch it because I'm excited to see what uh, or how Chet Holmgren looks in a real game. But no play on this for me. I wonder about Nikola Vucevic. Yeah, his assists 
It could be good. Yeah, just his overall production. Um, yeah. I might, I might look points, assists, rebounds. Hold on, I'm pulling up his stats right now. Let's see if one of the things that helped me, at least in last year's postseason, was looking at how the sharp books priced the um, a player prop versus the the legal U.S. sports book. So I'm I'm looking at like Pinnacle, Bet Chris, and if their price is different than the U.S. legal sports books, then I would try to like reverse engineer that and figure out why and add some like basketball analysis to it. So looks like he's got a 17 and a half point total, but there's more juice on the under in every sports book, um, including pinnacle. So maybe the under would be a better look. Um, he's just so inconsistent, but they run a lot of offense through him. Right. That's why I mentioned the assists. Yeah. And his assists are, man, points bet the sponsor of this podcast says it at three and a half, but heavy juice on the under. Yeah, honestly, I'm not going to get there in any one of these um, while we're recording this podcast. So sorry for wasting the listener's time on this and yours, David. Oh, good. Dude, you have a full-time job and a family. You don't have time for this bullshit. Come on, let's get, let's get going, right? <laughs> we're all good, man. All right, my final best bet. Actually, I got two bets in this game. One is super square, and the other is probably equally square. (laughs) The Dallas Mavericks at the San Antonio Spurs. Currently, it's plus four. I'm taking the Spurs plus four at home against the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I will be upfront about, I am nervous about the three-point shooting discrepancy between these two teams. The Mavericks had, I think, a plus four three-point made differential on their opponent last year. And like we already said, like the three-point shot is the most important thing in the NBA currently. Um, And the Spurs were like just leak, like probably the worst three-point shooting team in the NBA last season. That is not going to improve this year. That is not San Antonio's path to victory. San Antonio's path to victory is... Very obvious. Uh, it's Victor Wimbanyama, Wemby, excuse me, um, being a top 20 player in the NBA immediately, um, which I think is going to happen, actually. I just, I watch him and it's just like, holy shit. Holy shit. Hard to argue. <laughs> yeah. Hard to argue. Yeah. Like, I, again, we talked about this in the Western Conference preview. I want to be a contrarian so bad. Like, I, my, this is why I'm single. One of my favorite things to do is to argue with people. I love it. I love arguing. I, I really do. I can't I can't come up with an argument how this guy sucks. It's like, well, you know, he's too thin. He's going to get injured. You could say he could get injured for every single player in professional sports. That's how it works. Like, yeah, yeah sure, he could get injured, right? Like, Shohei Otani could be injured and, you know, all of a sudden, like, is he that good? He is. Yeah, he, is. <laughs> he is that good, yeah. actually, yeah. And I kind of feel similar to, to Wemby here. Um, now, the basketball analysis is Dallas does kill it from behind the arc, but they play at a very slow pace. So I think San Antonio's length against Dallas's slow pace is going to give the Mavericks a lot of trouble. Like, they're going to settle for ISO um, – 
ISO possessions. And I just think like you're going to be shooting over several dudes with seven foot wingspans. And that is tough. And the Mavericks are a bad rebounding team. They're not going to beat San Antonio. At least I, I'm projecting. They're not going to beat them on the glass tonight. It's really if they're hot from three-point land, which certainly possible, certainly possible. Um, I also, coming into the season, as I wrote about on OutKick, um, I'm just looking to fade the Mavericks as favorites, as road favorites especially. Um, they are one and four straight up and against the spread as road favorites with Kyrie Irving in the lineup after they got them last year. I, I really like them as dogs just because, again, of their offense. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking to fade them, um, whenever they're road favorites. And I think the matchup problems that the Spurs pose are, um, are, are, are enough to, 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 to get me to the window at plus four. I also have a preseason thing here and a player prop, but any thoughts to my opening argument? Uh, no, I would. This would probably be one game if I was going to play it to try and get in and get out as quick as possible. <clears throat> you would assume the hype or the excitement is going to be around probably the first quarter, first half with Wemby, Wemby coming in, um, starting obviously, and, and that's when the fans will probably be most into it. If Dallas goes on a run, then they might get taken out of it. I'm not really sure how it goes. Um, so I, I, I'm not going to play this game, but I don't like I don't dislike your look at all. I, I think it makes total sense. Um, the Mavericks have been preparing for Wemby for a while now, but the Spurs, I I think, are going to surprise people this year about how much better they will be. Um, they're still only expected to have like 30 wins, but I think they should be able to get over that. I thought so, it was 39 and a half wins. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, thirty nine and a half. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I I don't don't have a problem with your play. I just don't want to commit money to it one way or the other. During the preseason, the Spurs yeah. <laughs> were ninth in uh, non garbage time net rating according to CleaningTheGlass dot com, and they were fourth in half court points per hundred half court possessions run. So again, Dallas. Ran the most half-court offense last year. They have a really slow pace. So, I think, again, I think because of the San Antonio's length and uh, just how they can match up with, with the Mavericks, they're going to – they could possibly get the better of them half-court matchups um, or and, and half-court basketball. If this turns into, like, an open-court three-point chuck game, Spurs, Spurs are in a lot of trouble. They don't want that. But – yeah. Then again, if it gets up and down, it's like who's stopping Victor Wemby in the open court with momentum? No one in Dallas, I'll tell you that. Yeah, I guess the one thing I'd be a little weary about is who's going to guard Luca and Kyrie on San Antonio in terms of like if they just start playing isolation basketball. I don't think anybody on the team is going to be able to stop. I know Wemby will be there to help with some. Um, rim protection, but I, I don't know. It's uh, it'll be an interesting game nonetheless. I'm I'm excited to see it. This will be another one that I kind of have circled to watch. Yeah. Um. Also, Luka Doncic is questionable to play with a calf strain. Mm. 
So there okay. is a chance he misses. I, I, yeah. I want to say, I mean, it's kind of obvious that the Mavericks are worse without him, but like, and you have like Kyrie Irving just going balls to the wall. That could be, that could be scary. Like I've seen him just like rip teams heads off and shit down their neck. Like he can do that once every couple weeks. So, um, either way I'm, I'm staying put with my analysis and my Spurs plus four ticket. And I also did just a, the squarest player prop shout out to Vison's Will Hill for kind of pointing me in this direction on, on Gil Alexander's number numbers game this morning. But Victor Wimbanyama to have a double double is plus 300. I'll take it. Whatever. Brad. Plus what? Plus 300. To have a double double? Yeah. Well, yeah, sign me up. Yeah, right. I mean, for sure. Sign me up for that. I don't know. I, I, he gave out plus 350 on, I don't even know. It might be DraftKings, former sponsor of Outkick Bets. Come back, guys. Um, but through a guy I know down the street who, you know, off the grid, I bet plus 300. So I don't know. You can get anywhere from, I would say, plus 300 to plus 350. I, I'm trying to, like, come up with the argument for him not playing. Like, they're not going to. He's not on a minutes restriction, right? Like, he's, cool. he's plus three ninety for a double double on draft. Yeah, something's wrong there. I'm taking it. Right. I mean, Locking my it in right now. I talked about this with my brother, and he's like, "Well, I mean, Vegas knows he's seven foot five, and yet it's still three hundred plus three hundred. I was like, "Yeah, maybe it's just like rookie in his first game. It's not like." I mean, it is, It is. you know, he's one of the more popular NBA players already, but, like, it's not like a lot of people are going to be betting that prop, I don't think. Like, how much liability will the sports books have on this very specific prop? Probably not a lot, right? Yeah. So, I'm on it. Plus, you got plus 390. I'm taking plus 300, so shop around. Uh, I don't even know what points bet has it at, but that's, uh, that's definitely a look that's in my account. Any like other uh, any other thoughts on the slate? Uh, I like the Warrior or Warriors Wizards and Pacers to go over. There's going to be exactly zero defensive possessions in that game, so even at two thirty-five, that's not a bad look to me. And then uh, I think that leaves two games that we didn't talk about: Magic Rockets. I don't. I didn't have anything in this one, but I, I do think the Magic should win it. And uh, probably you should win by double digits. And then the Trailblazers Clippers. I like Scoot Henderson to get over 13 and a half points. I think so. the Rockets are like the hardest team for me to handicap. Because I've watched so little of them the past two seasons. I am i can't stand Fred Van Vliet or Dylan Brooks. But I'll listen to the argument of them helping the locker room, helping these kids, and just and them being better in, in different situations. I'll listen to that. Yeah. And like yeah. on top of that, Jabari Smith, Jalen Green, they're they're young players that could improve. Uh Segun showed improvement from his rookie to second year. I could see him improving slightly more. Um and Orlando is a team close to the Rockets in terms of how little I've watched them, even though they had, you know, Paolo Bancaro last year. So I guess that's the long drawn out way of me saying pass. 
for this game. I, yeah. I'm not. I got you. I bet in this one. What's the other one that we didn't talk about that you uh, gave a, a quick Cl- handicap for? Clipper, Clippers and uh, Blazers. Oh, you know, you guys know my favorite thing to do in the NBA is to lose money betting the Los Angeles Clippers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Take a minus the nine, everybody. Oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> no way they don't cover this game. That's right. I mean, Bones Highland's questionable, and Terrence Mann is out, so. But I do like Portland, actually. Jokes aside, I'm a big fan of of their roster construction and, and their possible ceiling. Like, it wouldn't... Sure. If if they keep all these guys, which very unlikely they do, 40 wins isn't completely out of question for me. Yeah, I'd agree with you. I don't, I don't know if I'd go as high as 40, but I think 35 or so should be doable. And I, I think, what do they need, 30? Yeah, you it's know, 29 I, that was actually one of my future. Yeah, that was one of my futures. So um, I think it's worth it. All right. I think we've done good stuff tonight, or this morning, excuse me. Um, again, my official plays are the Spurs plus four, um, the Hornets plus three and a half. Oh, Spurs plus four, Wembanyama double double plus three hundred, Hornets plus three and a half, and a Pelicans money line, which is a uh, a um, co handicap, a co pick. Me and you both like the Pelicans money line. Yeah. Anything else before we get out of here? Uh, I can recap a couple that I gave out. Um, Pelicans money line, like you just mentioned. I do think I'm going to get on the Celtics first quarter, uh, and then right, Clint Capella yeah. over nine and a half points. Right, 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 of course. I'm sorry. Um, no, all good. I, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you on the Capella one. I'm gonna look a little further into that one. You said he always goes over this number against Charlotte, right? Uh, six out of last eight games, and uh, he Whew. he averaged twelve last year. Averaged twelve point four on the road and thirteen point five against the division. So. Love it. Okay, yeah, I might end up telling you on that one. Uh, well, that'll do it for the uh, Wednesday Outkick Bets NBA podcast. Maybe I can get uh, David on Zoom here for Friday, but check out the NFL Week 8 podcast. That'll be hitting your feed tomorrow, Thursday, October 26th. Um, until then, peace. Peace.